Hey everyone, welcome to Tucker Talk Sports with yours truly, Anand Tucker. I have a good one for you today where there's a general recap of the 2020-2021 NBA season and a slight preview of the upcoming NBA season. Here we go. So a lot has happened in the basketball world these past few months. First, I will be talking about the NBA playoffs and the finals, where the Bucks, led by Giannis, proved that defense can win championships, especially in an era with offensive greatness and shooting. Next, I'll move on to the free agency with some big signings, some big trades there, also some quiet moves, which I think helped bolster some rosters. Then I'll move to the draft, where there were some big names that I liked, and teams that I thought did well overall helped really ramp up their team and add some young studs. And then finally, I'll move to predictions for the 2021-2022 NBA season. MVP, playoffs and finals, some really good matchups, and more. So starting with the playoffs and finals, I'm going to first talk about the champs, the Milwaukee Bucks. What a great run for the franchise and for the future. Giannis solidifying his Hall of Fame career in my eyes. Two-time MVP, defensive player of the year, most improved player a few years back, and now finals champion and finals MVP. He solidified himself as a top three player in this era, an all-time great, and he proved his heroics offensively and defensively. Able to get boards, able to get stops, some really nice blocks, able to shoot the ball pretty well and prove his domination in the paint. Also talk about Middleton, putting some respect on his name. What a great closer and score he's come to be, especially in this finals. He had some big shots and some key moments and allowed them momentum for the Bucks. And then finally, Drew Holiday. You always need a third dog for championship rosters. Look at the Bulls. You had Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and then Dennis Rodman. Look at the uh, Golden State Warriors. You had Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and you had a dog in Draymond Green. Miami Heat, you had the dog in LeBron alongside Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. So Holiday was that dog for this team. Hungry, tenacious, and he was great defensively. Offensively, he did have some slow points, but the role players were able to step up big time. P.J. Tucker, Bobby Portis, and so many more. Moving up to the runner-ups, we have the Phoenix Suns. CP3, he had a great first two games of the series, but after that, he stepped off greatly. As a veteran, he struggled big time, and he was the leader of the pack. For a young squad, he needed to lead this team to success, and he did not fulfill that job. So I think most of the blame does go on CP3's shoulders. However, the young squad got some great experience. Booker, at age 24, showed some great poise. I don't like the comparisons to Kobe Bryant. I know he doesn't like it, but other analysts out there try to compare him to Kobe, which is unfair and hurting him more than helping him. But they do have great pieces there on that squad. Mikael Bridges played really well. DeAndre Ayton, he did struggle at some points, but he's still a young, rising star. Cameron Johnson's a great bench player. And, of course, they do have an unbelievable coach in Monty Williams. So the future is bright in a tough Western Conference. I think it will take some time, a few years, to get back on that stage once again in a tough Western Conference where you have the Lakers, where you have the Clippers, a healthy Warriors squad. It is going to take some time, but gaining this experience at a young age is, is definitely helpful. Moving on to one team that had a really surprising great run in the playoffs were the Los Angeles Clippers. PG-13, Paul George, he had a great playoff run, minus the missed free throws against the Phoenix Suns in that close series. I think that Pandemic P name is gone now. And honestly, they could have won without Kawhi Leonard, with that injury. Young guards really helped. Terrence Mann provided a lot of juice on the floor, alongside Reggie Jackson, that veteran experience. A lot of other great role players stepped up into their roles. 
the injury of Kawhi Leonard definitely did hurt the team, but they still had a chance of winning. They still scared the Phoenix Suns and had a chance at winning the chip, honestly. They do have a great possibility of winning NBA championships, but it does depend on Kawhi Leonard committing to this Clippers squad. He did have this big signing recently, so hopefully he commits more to the squad. Hopefully he proves to be more of a teammate, more of a leader alongside Paul George. And then I really do think the results will show. And the squad that I thought had a disappointing run were the Philadelphia 76ers. In my opinion, and as many analysts said, they were a lock for the Eastern Conference Finals. However, they did not make it to that stage, unfortunately. Joel Embiid, you can't describe his value in words. On a torn meniscus, he put his back on his team and put amazing numbers. Seth Curry, he lighted up on the floor. His three-point percentage was historically great in the regular season and the playoffs. Losing Danny Green did hurt. That injury did hurt them on the floor, as you could tell. They were not always together, and that veteran experience is very important in the playoffs. However, I put most of the blame on Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons. Toby, he was solid, but he was not what you wanted, not what you expected from the regular season, and he should have stepped up. Going 6 for 18 in big moments, in big games, is just not enough for your third star. And for Ben Simmons, he just needs to build mental confidence. The Sixers knew when they drafted him, he was not a shooter. That's not his role. He's a great facilitator and he's a great defender. And he's been doing that. But he needs to develop his shot. Four or five years after getting drafted, you do need to develop your game overall. So his potential is there. There are trade talks there. Philly does want an all-star in return along with uh, picks and other role players. But I do think it's just nerves. Without a shot, he's a top player. But with a shot, he will be an unbelievable player. And that's all he really needs to develop his game. In this next segment, I'm going to discuss free agency and trades. And at the top of my list, I have the Los Angeles Lakers. They traded Kyle Kuzma, KCP, Montrezl Harrell, and a first-round pick for Russ Westbrook and a couple second-round picks. They did lose Dennis Schroeder, their point guard, Andre Drummond, a nice center, along with Alex Caruso, a valuable bench piece player. But in their signings, they were able to get a shooter in Wayne Ellington, an offensive elite scorer in Carmelo Anthony, Kent Bazemore, a nice role player, Trevor Ariza providing that veteran experience, Malik Monk, a nice young shooter, getting back Dwight Howard, another big player, another nice center, and Kendrick Nunn, a nice bench piece who could also be a starter if they really wanted to. So in my eyes, they did a lot of moves, but they were able to fix their depth immensely no age concerns really, and they were able to improve their roster and improve their chances for winning. Their their roster is honestly a recipe for total domination. With the king back, LeBron James, with a healthy AD, with shooters in Ellington, Carmelo Anthony, Monk, Kendrick Nunn, Ariza, plus getting another great ball handle on Russell Westbrook, it is a recipe for domination, and I believe they will be a top team in the NBA and have a real chance of winning it all. And as I just mentioned, in that Russell Westbrook trade, Washington received those key role players in Kuzma, KCP, Montrezl Harrell, and that first-round pick. And with those pieces, they were still able to sign Spencer Didwitty, who is coming off an injury, but is still a very underrated guard and valuable scorer in today's NBA league. So this is a much-improved team with more vet experience. And what Washington is trying to do is they are clearly and finally supporting Bradley Beal now. They still need to do more in order to win the finals, have a remote shot of winning. 
but they are finally adding experience and key players for him to thrive in his role. This is a great first step. I do see them making more moves in order to help bolster their roster and have a chance of winning it all. But this is a move I like, and this is them finally supporting Beal on his path to success. Next on my list, I have the Miami Heat. Kyle Lowry for a sign-and-trade. Able to get P.J. Tucker, able to get Markeith Morris, but they did lose Kendrick Nunn, Goran Dragic, Achua on the way, on the process. They did resign Duncan Robinson to a five-year, $90 million deal. Oladipo is coming back from an injury, so hopefully things go well there. But overall, I do believe this team got stronger, better, and added some more firepower. I think they're finally able to compete consistently with the top teams in the Eastern Conference, the Sixers, the Bucks, the Nets, so on and so forth. The core is still there. They extended Butler as well. The Bucks proved that defense wins championships. And they do have defense in Bam, in Butler. Kyle Lowry's underrated. They do have dogs in P.J. Tucker and Markeith Morris. And the shooting is there with Hero, with Robinson, with Tucker, with Morris. So I, I do believe they'll have a better run next year. And I do believe they'll be able to compete at a more consistent level. And wouldn't be surprised if they make it to the conference finals with this group. Moving to the team with the most underrated moves in the league, I thought were the Chicago Bulls. DeMar DeRozan, Lonzo Ball, Alex Caruso, a big man, and Tony Bradley, who's quite underrated, along with Zach Levine, Kobe White, Vucevic. So I do like their odds, and I do think they can be a surprising team. Uh, DeRozan is reliable. Ball is a great facilitator. Caruso is a great six-man key bench player. Vucevic is a top eight center. And Levine is now becoming a superstar. So I do think they'll be explosive. I do think they'll be showtime. I do think the Bulls will be back on their uh, path to greatness. And they will have more respect to their name. They're definitely going to be a playoff team. I wouldn't be surprised if they make it to the semis and act like a team like the Atlanta Hawks were this season. And finally, I have the Boston Celtics. Brad Stevens moving up into that player operations, business, roster control type position. And they did get a new coach, but their moves in the offseason were quiet but strong. They did, re- they did get Al Horford back, Josh Richardson, who is a reliable defensive guard, Dennis Schroeder on a cheap deal, Kendrick Nunn, and Ennis Conter. They did lose Kemba, but I do think Schroeder can fulfill that role. Maybe not as great an extent, but still solid. They did lose Tristan Thompson, but Horford is an upgrade over him, especially in that scheme. And Fournier, I think Richardson will fulfill that role as well as Fournier, if not better, because they do need defense. Jalen Brown and Tatum are offensive firepower. Marcus Smart is their only solid, great um, defensive guard, but adding Richardson was definitely a smart move. So they're, it's an updated roster, more reliable. They're defensively prepared now. They have the offensive firepower, firepower and capability to win. And so I do think this past season was a fluke, and they will be back to the normal Boston Celtics as they were a couple years back. The next segment is the NBA draft that just occurred. So I'll be looking at a few players that I really like in this draft, as well as a couple teams that knocked it out of the park. And so the first player on my list is Cade Cunningham. Historically great at Oklahoma State, the number one overall pick for a reason. 6'8", 220, so he has a nice frame. He's a guard-forward combo, and he'll be on the Pistons this year. His offense is great. He's not quite explosive, especially 
seeing how the league's moving forward in terms of explosion, in terms of jump and bounce and aggressiveness. His defense does need work at times, but he is a great facilitator. He's an awesome shooter, an awesome scorer. And so in my eyes, he does remind me a lot of a Luka caliber player. And if he does play to that potential, he would do wonders for that franchise. The next player on my list is the number two overall pick in this year's draft, Jalen Green. And he screams scoring, explosion, high energy. He is a prototype as a player for the future of the NBA. He's only about 180 pounds, so he does need to bulk up, especially for that defensive end. does need to improve some aspects of his offense in terms of passing and rebounding and things like that. But scoring is there, getting his head underneath and driving, shooting the ball well. And so for those reasons, he does remind me a lot of Zach Levine. And so he will be great as that type of role player for the Houston Rockets, especially alongside Kevin Porter and a nice star in Christian Wood. So I do think he will help his Rockets quite a bit. And the final player I liked from this year's NBA draft was Davion Mitchell, who was selected by the Sacramento Kings. He's very tenacious. He hounds players on the defensive end like crazy. He can pass well. Shooting percentage has improved in all areas in the offensive end. And I do believe he's the main reason why Baylor won this year's national championship. A lot of analysts say he's very similar to Drew Holiday on the defensive end and offensive end. But I believe if he works on his offensive end more, becomes more confident in shooting and driving, I do think he can be a smaller version of Kawhi Leonard. And that could be very scary for that Kings team. And moving to teams that did really well in this year's draft, I have the Atlanta Hawks first. So number 20 overall pick, they picked Jalen Johnson from Duke. And number 48, they picked Sharif Cooper from Auburn. And so Johnson is not known for his shooting too well, but he can score, you know, put his head down, drive, and he can defend quite well. But this is a very good pick for the Hawks team because they already have a lot of shooting there. Trey Young, Bogdanovich, Herder. So they do need more size. The Bucks showed that size can win championships. And so the Hawks already have Capella and Collins, and adding another big guy with Johnson will really help them. And I do think it will bolster their uh, team quite a bit. And with Cooper, it's a huge steal. It's projected late first round, early second round, but not slipping that far to 48. So he's a huge steal. He's a solid point guard. He'll be a great packup, offensive-minded like Trey Young. So you can stick him in if Trey Young slips, or, or I mean, if he gets injured, or if he's, you know, whatever that may be, he can, you, can, you can put him right in. He will be able to perform at a solid level. And honestly, he could be a starter on, on another team. So this is a very good pick for the Hawks as well. And the other team that I thought did really well in this year's draft were the Golden State Warriors, picking John Kaminga, number 7th overall, overall from the G League, and number 14th overall, they got Moses Moody from Arkansas. And so for Kaminga first, he's a great young player, only 18 years old, 6'8", 215, 220, so his frame is really nice, power, strong, explosive, loves to drive into the paint, defensively, he can hold his ground. His main weakness is his shooting, but being on the Warriors, that's not going to be too much of a problem. He just has to know his role and fulfill it. You have Curry. You're going to have Klay Thompson coming in. You're going to have this number 14th overall pick coming in. Jordan Poole is playing well. You have Wiggins there, and he can be another solid role player, a young stud for this squad. And speaking of another shooter, uh, we have Moses Moody. He can shoot very well. Projected to go top 10 overall, and him slipping to 14 was a huge steal for the Warriors. He can defend pretty solidly. He's inconsistent at times, but is still a great pick for the squad. He can de- he can develop with Curry, with Thompson, and under the coach Steve Kerr. And so I do like 
the Warriors in terms of short-term and winning championships and long-term when Curry gets a little bit older and these young studs rise up. And now moving on to the predictions for the 2021-2022 NBA season, I'm going to start off with MVP. But first we need to go over the definition of MVP. You can't have too many stars surrounding you, so that knocks out the Lakers squad and their chances of winning an MVP and the Nets because they have too many stars there. Without this MVP player, you'll go down a couple of seeds in your conference, three seeds about. They dominate the game in their own way. Maybe it's a lockdown defender. Maybe they're just overtaking shooting. Maybe it's in the paint and driving and scoring there. They have to be a great teammate and also a great leader, that voice from that team in the locker room especially. They have to be solid offensively and defensively. Maybe one is a little bit weaker, but they, have, they should have a strength in at least one and be consistent in the other. And finally, you have to be efficient on both ends of the floor. You have to put up those great numbers consistently. And so a player that comes to my mind right away is Luka Doncic. No help at all. And he is still a top six. They are still a top six Western Conference team, the Dallas Mavericks. They are able to get out of that playing tournament consistently. He's a great talent, like Larry Bird, that type of player. Talented offensively. He does need to improve defensively a bit. But he is that star and he could win MVP very soon at such a young age. Another player is Joel Embiid. Total domination in the paint. He can even shoot pretty well, honestly, for a 7-foot center. He is a leader. He has passion for that 76er squad and for the city itself. He really embodies that toughness, that tenacity, that Philly drive. And you can tell these past couple of seasons, he is getting more involved. He does understand what it takes to go far, and he is pushing for it. The only question is his health. But other than that, he can be a lock for MVP if he is healthy. And then another guy is obviously Steph Curry. He has young guys surrounding him, not many superstars. Clay Thompson's there. Hopefully he does get back onto that squad. But they are usually a playoff lock, especially if Thompson is there. I do like his odds. Health is not too much concern for him for him. And he is able to dominate the game in his own way, which is unbelievable shooting. So he could win it as well. And I do have a couple sleepers here with me. Uh Bradley Beal and Jimmy Butler. Bradley Beal, he doesn't have too many superstars at all. He has those role players in Dinwiddie, Kuzma, KCP, so on and so forth. And so if he's able to take this team and make him a top five team in the Eastern Conference, I wouldn't be surprised if he wins uh, MVP. And same thing with Jimmy Butler. He doesn't have too many superstars surrounding him. Bam is rising for sure. He doesn't have great shooters surrounding him, no doubt about it. Kyle Lowry is out of his prime, so he is not a superstar in my eyes. But if Butler is able to put high numbers and make the Miami Heat a top three team, I wouldn't be surprised about him winning MVP at all. And that would be a great addition on his resume. In terms of playoffs and finals, for the Western Conference, I do see a Warriors-Lakers matchup with a healthy Clay Thompson, young role players in Kuminga, Moody, still have Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, that dog, along with Steph Curry, their leader. It is a recipe for greatness. Just like a few years ago in 2015-2016, I wouldn't be surprised if they made it to the conference finals and farther. The Lakers, I do think they have the experience. They have the players with a healthy Anthony Davis, with the facilitator Russell Westbrook, with LeBron James playing like he normally does, and those shooters in Carmelo Anthony, Ellington, Malik Monk, Nunn, so on and so forth. They have a real chance of winning it all. And they are probably the favorites. I do see it being more of an offensive battle here. And I do see the Lakers winning in a tight series 4-3. But I would personally root for the Warriors. Because it would be a great story for Curry, 
for Clay and just for that Warriors dynasty in general. For the Eastern Conference, I have the Bucks and Nets. So the Bucks, they have more confidence, especially Giannis. Their defense is great. They've shown that defense can win championships. But really, they only lost to the Nets by one toe, and that was Kevin Durant. He's still the best player on the planet. And with the Kyrie and healthy Harden, it's very, very hard to stop them. Maybe the Lakers have the only shot of stopping them. Giannis is great, but he is not a superhero. He doesn't have enough superpower with Middleton and Holiday to beat this Nets squad when they're fully healthy. And so I do think the Nets will win 4-2 in the series. And so for the finals, I do have the Nets and the Lakers. And this was the same matchup I called last year. And it all depends on health. The Nets, they do have less depth. It's basically those three superstars and a couple role players. And they and then you have the Lakers. More depth. I would say a little bit more firepower, but I do like the Nets' elite offensive talent. For defense, they just need to play consistent. They don't need to be great, just consistent. And I do think it's a toss-up here, but I do favor the Lakers here 4-3 in the series. So it will be a seven-game series. I do think the Lakers battle it out and win, but the Nets will come very close, and I wouldn't be surprised. It is a real toss-up here. And then the final note I want to add for this upcoming season are trades. And in my opinion, I do not see Ben Simmons getting traded, uh, especially in the beginning of the season. The Sixers want Damian Lillard, Beal, or really nothing else. There is no in-between. And so I don't see them being available until midway in the season. Dame will see how the Portland Trailblazers did in terms of the offseason and see if this team has a real shot of winning. Beal will also see, does this team have a real shot of winning with these role players surrounding me? Maybe they need trade for a superstar. If they can't, I think they will both request for a trade. And that's when I think Ben will become available and the Sixers will get one of those two players. But if they don't, they will keep Ben and all Ben needs to do is really develop his shooting. Because other than that, he is a complete player in my eyes. And if he gets his shot down, it will be very hard to trade him then. Well, that's all for today, folks. Let me know your thoughts on how this league is moving forward. Let me know if you guys enjoyed watching the playoffs and finals this past season. What were your thoughts on some of the free agent signings or trades? Maybe I missed one that you guys thought was really good. Let me know your favorite players in this year's draft, which pl- which teams really bolstered their rosters. And finally, uh, give me your thoughts on the predictions for this upcoming NBA season. Who do you guys think will win MVP? Which matchups are you looking forward to the most? Which player are you looking forward to seeing on the floor once again? So I hope you join me next time where I discuss the last Grand Slam of the tennis season, the U.S. Open, right in the Big Apple. Please give this podcast a rating or comment on what you thought of the show. And thanks for listening to Talk Talk Sports. See ya.